Welcome to the e-commerce insights podcast. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier. I'm here with a longtime friend and super smart guy, Dave Woodward, the CEO of ClickFunnels. How you doing, Dave? Doing awesome, Scott. I just wish I was where you're at. Look at that fire. Holy smokes. I know this is uh, you know, you got to make the best out of your circumstances and our kids <laughs> were going to be remote for school. We're like, oh man, going to be a long week at the house. <laughs> and we had the opportunity to come and go skiing and quarantine and then sneak in a few hours. And we said, let's just do it. And Jealous. then I was like, uh-oh, how good's the Wi-Fi going to be? Because I have like seven <laughs> podcast interviews. <laughs> so it's worked out pretty good. I got a lot of things I want to talk to you about today. But first, you know, I mean, ClickFunnels is a huge, successful company. Much congrats. You guys handle a lot of cus- different customer types. A lot of different people using it for all kinds of purposes. Like you're the CEO, you're running the show now. How did that journey kind of, how'd you end up at the top? How did, how'd you get there? I don't, I don't know the whole story. I, I mean, what condensed version do you have? Yeah, the condensed version is I've had the opportunity of uh, being a partner with ClickFall since we started the company almost seven years ago now. Two co-founders, Todd Dickerson, Russell Brunson. Uh, Russell is the marketing whiz behind it. Todd's the tech guy behind it. We didn't have the opportunities. We've kind of scaled and grew. I think with every every company as you grow, everyone kind of finds those areas that they, they're the best at, or you kind of find your superpowers and try to focus on those. And I realized that uh, Todd and, and Russell's primary focus was keeping them in the marketing and tech side. And with that, it kind of created this vacuum of a need from more from a management aspect. And it's an area I've always enjoyed and loved uh, leadership and growing. And uh, I really just kind of just started taking on more responsibility over time. And it got to the point where it's like, you know what, just keep running with it. So it was, uh, I think it's the best way of saying it is you just start, you start doing the work and then eventually it comes around. I like when people already start doing the next job before they get promoted. Yeah. When I'm running stuff, totally agree. I say, Hey, I, I want to try before I buy kind of like dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It always cracks me up where people, you know, you've got employees or others are like, you know what? If you'll pay me, I'll learn how to do it. I'm like, no, no, no. It always works the opposite way. You do the work and eventually you'll get paid. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Prove you can do it. And then you yeah. come indispensable. And then you're like, all right, I'll help you out. Yeah. So I remember your first, you guys skyrocketed to growth, a couple of real smart things you had going on, but you had this like real focus on, it was like a funnel builder secrets or funnel. I think that's what it was funnel called. Hacks. Your first webinar. Or funnel hacking secrets. Yeah. Now, it, so I mean, because most people, they're going to try to grow and they're just going to go far and wide doing a thousand things. You guys focused on perfecting this one webinar. Like who made that decision? How did you tell me all about that? Because no, most people don't yeah. do that. They spray and pray. And I, I well, always for us, that. As, as a SaaS company, one of the main things, again, you're in the same situation. We look at it as you either go out and raise a whole bunch of money and then just blow that money, trying to figure out how to actually <laughs> make money. We weren't in that situation where we had a whole bunch of money. We had no money. And so what we realized was for us to get a free trial of our software, it'd run anywhere from call it 125 to 150 bucks. And if we're converting you know, 40% of those to actually paid, you know, we're almost, you know, 300 bucks per paid person and 97 bucks a month. It was like three months to break even was too long. And so one of the main things we realized is we were fortunate to literally have had years worth of experience building funnels and doing all of them bootstrapped. So for us, we actually ended up realizing that we'd sold. What happened was we started ClickFunnels in 2014, September, and Russell was actually at an event speaking on stage at a buddy's event in October. And it was 
during that period of time where we tried a couple of the things, the first month or two and things just weren't working as well as we wanted to get the traction. And it was at that event where speaking on stage, Russell basically had to put together he, the, the main thing when you're speaking on stage normally is you want to sell like a thousand dollar offer. So the host can, you get at least a minimum, you know, 50, 500 bucks each. And so we put together a thousand dollar off that was sold on stage and it was 997 bucks for a year's worth of click funnels. But the key behind it was uh, you actually got the, the, the software for free and what you're actually paying for was the training up front. And so it was at that event, I remember afterwards, where we had this massive table rush and Russell's like, we finally got it. We finally figured out what it's going to take to actually scale and grow ClickFunnels because it would give us the type of revenue that we needed up front because they're paying for a year's worth and we're getting that money really up front. So what we ended up doing was scaling and growing that webinar. We literally came back starting in that November and I think Russell was probably almost over a year, year and a half doing anywhere from two to seven, even 10 different webinars a week. And we really focused and went hardcore into that one thing because what we knew was if we could get people into ClickFunnels and training them and letting them actually use and consume the content, use the product, and they're in it for a year, they would eventually end up having the success that they needed. Most importantly, though, for us, it's it pre-funded all the money that we needed to help grow and scale and build customer support and service and providing the tech development money that we needed to really grow and scale. So I had kind of taken the idea that, you know, as a SaaS company here, the magical, you know, first three years or first two years, if you can triple in the next three years, if you can double, that's kind of what we were trying to do. And so that was the, the original model. I looked at what it was going to take to actually make that happen. And the main thing for us was to be able to scale and grow based off of, off of the webinar. Now, when you do, when you're doing that, is it split testing? Cause I mean, you probably get a lot of testing to do on that. Is it the webinar script itself or it's, well, is it every, is it everything? The landing page? offer? Like, where did you focus first? Or were you testing all of them at once with different teams? What was the logistics behind all that? Great question. For us, the webinar itself, Russell is a magician on stage. So when we looked at split testing, uh, the main things was more on the funnel itself. The actual webinar, it's pretty tough to actually split test a webinar, especially seven years ago. We've got new software these days that allows us to split test, you know, different offers and things inside of a webinar. But the main thing for us was really split testing the funnel itself. And so one of the main thing, one of the very first things we actually ended up doing was usually what would happen is you would drive people straight into a webinar and that was it. The very next thing we ended up doing actually on the thank you page was adding, if you wanted to get started on, we'll give you a free trial of ClickFunnels for the next 14 days. And so on the thank you page, we added that and that gave us a huge bump where we started actually making revenue on the trials. Even so, if a person signed for the trial, you know, typically on a webinar, you're going to get a, you know, a 30 to 40% show up rate, 50% on a great day, depending on who, who the partner is. So we basically would have probably anywhere from 60 to 70% of people actually signed up for the trial. So even if they didn't buy the software, they were getting the trial because it was on the thank you page. And that was a huge, huge win for us. Um, the next thing we actually ended up doing was we added an order form bump in the, in the trial sequence where they, it was basically nine funnel hacks, 37 bucks at that time. And it was funny. It's, We've let that in that offer and gosh, for years and just, it's, I guess, 37 bucks. So it took a few, little bit of time, but we just crossed it. Our, we got our first two comic club award for an order form bump. <laughs> so over a million bucks on a $37 offer as an order form bump inside of that, that registration well, page. Well, that, that helps fund more acquisition, that 37 bucks. I mean, just- Oh, it totally does. More traffic. Every well, week. as you know, it's all about average cart value. And so whatever we could do to, to increase the, the average cart value, 
those little things add up fast. So then for the ad buying team, do they sync with the landing page team or, or to the email team to the sales or is it someone, are they all independent people that are, have their own slots and then someone coordinates? They are more now. Back then it was three to five of us doing everything. So <laughs> John Parks was running all of our ads and things, all of our paid traffic. Brent Co-Peters uh, was doing a lot of the affiliate type of things and, and training in that area and working with partners, which I then took over a lot of that piece and really working with the email. Uh, Russell was writing all the email himself. And so kind of between the three or four of us, is, that was where all the split testing was taking place. Todd, as a tech co-founder, was coming in and split testing a lot of the, the funnels after we got them up and running, just doing different types of tweaks and changes that we could do. Uh, the irony to all of it actually was our homepage was the webinar registration page. And I remember, again, you get asked by, you know, growth equity, private equity people all the time, or, you know, you're driving people to your homepage and all they're seeing is an offer to sign up for a webinar. They're like, who are you guys? What? (laughs) And so from a recruiting standpoint, it was really tough when we started recruiting people and they're like, um, there's nothing on your homepage except this opportunity to sign up for a webinar. Is that the same company? That's it. And then, then, then once they heard your numbers, they stopped doubting the strategy. <laughs> that's all that mattered at that point. Oh, that's awesome. So marketing, so you guys start to grow and then, you know, you larger company. I mean, cause I know like in your Wicker Reports account, there's like 20 users or something. That's a pretty active account. And what type of management, like how, how do you not slow down the growth when there's more cooks in the kitchen? That gets tough. I mean, I have trouble with that and we're not nearly your size. Well, it's kind of fun. I remember we met, I think, uh, gosh, at TNC, I think it was the first time you and I met. 2016, I think. Yeah. It was back when it was, it was uh, like 20 sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> and we were on the back row, as I recall. We were on the back row. We just had our laptops. We'd never done an event. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> so for us, uh, one of the main things is we looked at, at that time, as far as working with you guys, was really trying to get better analytics. Because analytics is the hardest thing to come by. And it was really the blessing that we had in working with you guys early on was getting a feel for how to actually So for us, what happens is we're selling software, but we have anywhere from 10 to 20 different front ends that bring people in. So for us, it's all about how do you, how do you acquire a customer for free? And so we, we have this idea as far as this whole break even, break even funnel, where if I can have my average car value be the same as my cost to acquire a customer, I've now got that customer for free. And so for us, when we were looking at trials or anything like that, it was like, how can we bring customers in for free? And what we really needed was your software to help us analyze a lot of that, meaning how much can we spend on a, on a front-end offer? Again, Dotcom Secrets book, I think it was the first offer mm-hmm. we ran through you guys. And we were selling that through a whole bunch of different things. We're selling through affiliates. We're selling through Facebook. We've got different platforms. And so it was really an important part for us to be able to, to look at the attribution piece and what then happened, as you made mention, we've, yes, we've scaled now. I mean, John's got, a, I think, probably 15, 20 different media buyers and people working on different platforms. And one person specific to YouTube and other specific to, to Facebook and Google and, you know, all sorts of different things. But for us, it was all a matter of how do you really get the attribution so you can know what levers should I push to actually ramp the things up that I need to. Yeah, because I mean, customer lifetime value comes into play and it's like, yeah. well, is the dot-com secrets <clears throat> book lead to the high value lead customers over time or not? Now you guys yeah. figure that out because we have, we have this report. I looked at a few things just to get some you know tidbits here. And the one that blew me away was this new lead cohort report. So what that <laughs> does is it says, hey, what month did you get a lead? How much are you making per lead over time? 
And four months in, what I always look for like, was the first time a lead hits a hundred bucks and let's see what they started at. And you had some months where the leads were 12 bucks on month one and then they were a hundred bucks on month four. That's a pretty, that's a strong, like fault. Like people forget about the follow-up. So while you're yeah. saying you guys would break even, but the incremental value over time, that's at four to seven X you guys were getting, let's say four months out. Is that how many, is that all emails or I mean, is it retargeting different? Like it's probably everything. Is it still email still crushing it for you guys? I imagine. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. So one of the things we, we really pay attention to is the, the metrics you were just looking at. And that is, okay. So they came in on month one of that. What is my, my value of that customer over time based on additional products and follow up and other funnels we can use? So what we've seen is we take a look at a whole across our funnels, as well as a lot of our top of top other funnel builders. And that is for every dollar that comes in the front end over time, there's typically anywhere from 15 to $17 on the back end. And that's exactly what you're mentioning. So you got $12 on the front end by month four, it's a hundred bucks. So you have you know, five times that. And then over time, all of a sudden that $12 soon becomes thousands of dollars. Yeah. And the, you hear people talk about it frequently. That is, you know, the money's in the follow-up. I think the part that most people don't understand is how do you actually go about doing that follow-up? That's kind of Back to your question. So for Scott, most of it, we definitely do a lot through through email marketing. We send a ton of emails, but more important than that for us really has been identifying in in today's environment, people want to be communicated and followed up in whatever platform they prefer. So we do a lot through email because there's still a lot out there, but we've also explored and have spent a ton of time in messenger. We've also doing a lot through text. Desktop push notifications become another thing where people are, are getting notified and then definitely to, to your point, Facebook retargeting has been a huge, huge opportunity for us. And not just Facebook. We retarget on, on a whole bunch of different platforms, mm -hmm. uh, Google, YouTube, and others. But I think the key to that is being able to have the attribution because without being able to have the attribution based on it, whether it's an email or a text or a Facebook message or a retargeting ad, then you, you just don't know. You just start throwing a whole bunch of stuff up against the wall and hoping some of it sticks. And you just, you can't scale. And I think, Scott, for us, that's been the thing we've loved most about Wicked Reports is the ability to scale the business based on true data. And when you when you first get started, totally transparent, we didn't care at first. Just bring in the money. I don't care where the money came in from. <laughs> yeah. We'll just, we just got to get the money in so we could. But if you want to start scaling again, I look at that scaling. Once you cross over that million dollar threshold, you're like, okay, I've got something real here. It's a business I can actually scale. I always look at it, you know, the three, seven, one X type of deal. So you go from once you get to a hundred thousand, then it's to 300,000, then 700,000, then it's a million and then 3 million, 7 million, 10 million, 30 million, 7 million, mm -hmm. 100 million type of deal. And so for us trying to get to those next, whatever that next level is, it really comes down to having the attribution in place in a way that you can actually scale and grow it. And for us with reports, it's been a huge opportunity to be able to identify to your point, you know, is the lifetime value of a customer, are we better spending our time on the front end, bringing people in through dot-com secrets, or is it better in a different front end? And then the part that I we've really liked using your platform and things, and that is, it's usually not just one. It's, well, they came in and they bought this product and they bought this product. And so you almost start taking a look at a cohort analysis of what are all the different variables that have to come into play to get the ideal customer. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there just are. I mean, and I think that's the part, again, it's just depends what type of business you want to have. And if, if you're looking at just a lifestyle business and a million bucks 
revenue-wise is great and it's just an information marketing business or it's a just a physical product business, that's fine. But if you really want to scale it and grow it, you've got to have the resources that you provide. I like that. <laughs> it's the so truth. Yeah. I saw the 18x in email revenue, and then you had you had actually touched on it. Russell writes the emails, so that's his natural gift, right? Yeah. Like he he can sell, and even in in words, he doesn't have to speak it. He can he can write words that sell. That's not easy to do either. You can get all kinds of copywriters. They're beautiful long things, and no one then our we've had more angry people. <laughs> I had a dentist, the guy. He was on UK cosmetic make. I don't know what it was. Some show where you make up people's teeth, make them look nice paid 10 grand for copywriting and we had all this tracking and no one was buying. And he was like, but I spent 10 grand. And I was like, I'm sorry. It only sold a grand. Yeah. <laughs> that was not what you expected. And I was like, you know, sometimes the, the truth hurts, but it's better to have the reality and move forward. It is. Google conversion data. You guys push a ton of, you know, that's an advanced technique where we have this feature that you guys use heavy, which is you can turn on that will capture Google clicks and then push them into Google so they'll optimize. Um, how did you get started on doing that? And what's the strategies? I don't know if you, you probably don't actually run the Google strategies necessarily, but what can you speak on those? Because you guys push a, a ton of conversions in there, which I'm assume generally helps. The more data you send Google, the more money they generally make you is what I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's to your point there, the credit goes to John Parks on this one. I mean, he's the one who's really... He understands that stuff a thousand times better than I do. But I can tell you that the main thing we've seen is the more you can keep a person on that platform, whether it's Google or it's YouTube or even for that matter, Facebook, the longer you keep them on there, the more happy the platform is. And so for us, spending time and money on Google to actually help keep them in Google and doing as much of that as possible has really been an area that's allowed us to scale and grow that part of, of the Google Analytics piece for sure. Yeah, because most everyone's excited about cross-channel. The cross-channel that normally occurs is a paid and then email close or text close. Text is huge, like you mentioned. SMS for e-com particularly, they're killing it. But it's generally not Google to Facebook. It's usually not cross. I've not seen many, I can't think of a dramatic case I've seen where I was like, oh my God, it really, I mean, slightly, but it's never more than like five, 10, maybe 10, usually 5% might cross over. But the data has really backed that up. So I think you're right on there. So, uh, you know, as CEO, as, as a CEO, were you COO before or in elevated or did you no. just go right to, huh? <laughs> we've, we've really never been big on titles. So, <laughs> I mean, I've been- you have a COO? Uh, Ryan Montgomery's our COO. Okay. I had trouble with that because I like to know, keep my foot on the pulse, you know, yeah. my fingers on the pulse. So I'm just blowing up the COO and then going around him. Yeah, <laughs> like, I why understand don't, that. Oh, poor bastard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it didn't, you know, it was tough. So I'm considering it again. And I was wondering, like, what have you found worked? Because I, I haven't found the right feel for that. I want yeah, I'm probably a lot more like you. I'm, uh, I, I think it's probably the issue we, you and I probably both have is that whole startup mentality. It's really hard to outgrow that. And so I'm yes. always all hands on deck. And I think... To your credit there, what you made mention, I think is important that is to really scale and, and grow to that next level. It, it's building up a strong enough team around you that you can trust that they're going to do what they need to do. And, and that way you can focus on your superpower. Yes. So what's 2021 for ClickFunnels? What's your goals? What are you guys up to? Features? What do you, what do you got? Cooking yeah, we've actually here? got a ton of things that we're working on right now. One of the biggest things you'll probably see roll out in 2021 is international for us. 
It's a, an opportunity. Spanish will be the first language that we're looking at. And so we've got a couple of things. Uh, the software right now will run completely on Spanish. The only thing we have right now is about 12,000 phrases that have to be translated into Spanish and then the support side. So we're building that out. I'm hoping to be able to roll that out by Q2, sometime in Q2. And then from there, we've had a lot of people growing and, and building in the UK, or I'm sorry, in the EU, the whole European area. Mm-hmm. And so I think we'll, a lot of the other romantic languages will probably be next, you know, French, German, Italian type of yep. stuff. The other thing we're seeing quite a large opportunity, and that's in the payment space. And as we go to international, one of the biggest things we've seen is that uh, every country, the, the customers in those countries prefer to run payments a different and unique way. And so we're, we're really toying around and playing with different ways of doing that. In addition to, as our customers continue to scale and to grow and to build their own businesses, everything from merchant account load balancing and all the things that are associated with that, uh, payments is probably going to be, payments and international expansion will be probably the two of the biggest areas that uh, we spent a lot of time and energy on in, in 2021. Those sound like very ripe areas for growth. I mean, it just yeah, sounds- we're excited. Great. I mean, that sounds fantastic. Well, Dave, I appreciate you coming on. This was fun. I was able to pull it off up in the wicked snow cabin. Wi-Fi held up. That's <laughs> always great seeing you, Scott. I think yep. your fire's going out up back there, so you might have to stoke the fire here by the end of the day. <laughs> I'll get to that. All right. Thanks. Have a good <laughs> great one. Great seeing you. Bye.